Um, I love how I love how the focus was Christ, right? It is all about Jesus. And that was the first time I heard Isaiah sing. So Emily, you're probably going to have to uh, lead worship more because he's, he's singing now. I knew he could do more than just play the guitar. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, you know, in all seriousness, yes, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to know that you find your worth in Christ. And, and, I, and I love the statement that, you know, nothing else does matter but Jesus. But this is the thing, right? When you align yourself under the leadership and the lordship of Jesus Christ, this is what happens. The things that you care about fall in line with what Jesus cares about, so it all works out. You start caring about and you start you start spending time in the areas that the Lord would have you to instead of twiddling away the precious little time we have, even if you live to, you know, the cap, 126, it would be all wasted. So that's a beautiful thing to know. Coming in alignment under the authority and the kingship of Jesus Christ, He will, in His own way, have you to care and spend time about the things that are worthy of His. And that's what the Bible talks about. The Lord will give you the desires of your heart, right? Again, people will take that verse and be like, I've always wanted that Corvette. I'm going to get that Corvette because that's a desire of my heart. I said Jesus is Lord and it's going to work out. Well, no, you know, not necessarily. It's not how it works. It's the Lord will, your, your, your desires will line up with, you know, what, what he, uh, what's honorable to him. And, and the things that are not honorable to him, those things will burn away and wash away. And I will have you know, I still, I'm not even going to get that sweatshirt anymore. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, I, I was looking at it last night. I'm not going to lie. It's like, what am I doing? It's like, it's not a big deal. Okay. We're going to be in uh, Acts chapter 24 this morning. Uh, We're going through verses 22 uh, through 27. We, uh, we kind of took a little detour last few weeks, which was, uh, you know, a great thing, much needed. We were uh, celebrating Easter. And so now we're back in the book of Acts chapter 24. So when you get there, if you can, please stand, whether you're in your uh, paperback Bible or your mobile device. And again, we'll be in verses 22 down through 27. I'll go ahead and read and then we'll pray. And it says, But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Jesus Christ. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for just this opportunity to come before you as uh, this corporate body, your body of Christ, and just hear from you, Lord, and to uh, lay aside all other distractions. We just want to hear from you this morning. We want to see how your word relevantly fits itself in our lives in this portion of scripture. So Father, may you make these words come alive to us. May we leave here changed and may we soak up the living water of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you and love you. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. So just to get you back up to speed, this is kind of where we're at. We've already heard from the high power Jewish lawyer 
we've heard from Paul. Now we're hearing from Felix. I've got to share this. I, 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 I was listening to a message this morning and, and, and oh man, it was so rich. Psalm 147 verse 11 comes to my mind. It says, the Lord taketh pleasure in him that fear him in those that hope in his mercy. And it, just the fact that this is what Paul understood about Jesus. He, he, he had a reverent fear for him. And, and it says that the Lord takes pleasure in those that have a reverent fear for him, that hope in his mercy. Paul had a hope that he would receive the mercy of Jesus Christ and that his soul was forever to be changed and he would be with him in eternity. And this was the driving force that kept Paul preaching and teaching and sharing in the worst of circumstances and situations he would not renege his faith because he understood the truth of the gospel now here we are and we have felix's response through felix's response in um this message we're actually going to see how many people tend to respond to the truth of jesus christ when they are confronted with who Jesus Christ is. And I've entitled this message, De- uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Delay, Denial, and Rejection. And that's kind of what we see going on with Felix here. He delayed his response. Uh, then he denied the truth of who Jesus Christ was. And then it got to the point where he just flat out rejected who Jesus Christ is. In many ways, Felix's response to Paul mirrored how the religious leaders had responded to the claims of who Jesus Christ was. Though Felix's response seemed a little bit more casual and indirect, it still produced the same results. Rejection in Jesus Christ. This is how some who reject Jesus Christ do they they do so in in a way that they think is respectable you've you've all heard this well you know the whole christian thing it's it's not not necessarily for me but if it works for you that's okay that's all good and dandy but again in all these situations what we will find is this common thread of denial delay and rejection of jesus christ in some way shape form or fashion it comes out that way there are several main points, excuse me, points that I'd like to focus on this morning. And the first one is this. When we delay giving an answer, it's usually because we are afraid to make a decision. There comes a time in every person's life when they are confronted with the truth of who Jesus Christ is. People think they can give many different answers to the question, well, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? If we don't accept Jesus Christ for who he is, and we also don't outright deny him, we will do whatever we can to stall, to, 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 to give more time. How many times have you heard someone, or maybe you've done it yourself, well, Right now is not the right time for me to give my life to Jesus. There's, there's just other things that I would like to do before I do that. But I'll get around to giving my, my life to Jesus Christ one day. But right now, it's just not the right time. This is done because we are simply afraid of the truth. If you call it what it is, underneath the onion layers of all the excuses one can give, we are simply afraid of the truth and we don't want to give up our sin which we so much readily enjoy you see the reality is this sin is enjoyable if it was not enjoyable people wouldn't do it but you see it's only enjoyable for a season and then misery and death follow after that that uh that small bit of window where you enjoy your sin of your choice but the reality is people have a hard time giving up this sin they think that serving jesus christ does not outweigh the sin that they so readily enjoy we are afraid to admit that we are inadequate that we don't measure up 
and that we aren't as great as we project ourselves to be, that we are wrong in our own viewpoint of ourselves. These are other factors that contribute to a person not wanting to give their life to Jesus Christ. No, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad compared to this person. But you know what? What's our, what's our measuring stick? Us? Our own, our own understanding of what's right and wrong? That's a, that's a shabby uh, you know, reason to say, well, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't need Jesus because I'm not that bad. No, you, you are that bad. I am that bad. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I laugh so much about it because it's, it's, it's comical to me now. I can, laugh at, I can laugh at myself. I understand the reality of what I've been saved from, and it's okay because I'm like, man, Jesus, you're so good that you would save a wretched sinner like me. I, I, I have to refer back to the message I heard this morning because it really struck a chord. I was, I was sharing this with Sal early, earlier this morning, and, and the pastor had said, Jesus Christ came for the people you and I despise. And that that pierced me. The people that we despise, right? We, we think we, we can easily blanket in and say, yes, Jesus died for the world, for the sins of the world. But we all have people, if we admit it, if we keep it real, that somewhere deep down we just despise, we just dislike for whatever reason. And Jesus came for those people. I was like, wow, Lord. That's so convicting. Lord, let me have a heart like Jesus. Let me not look at people in that light. Let me not pass a judgment upon someone just because I see their outward circumstances. I don't know those people's hearts. I don't know what left them in that condition. The drug addict, the person that's you know, prostituting on the street, the person who's the drug addict, the person that's doing white, uh, you know, white-collar crime all over the country and, and they're get seemingly to get away with it. You know, we need to pray for those people, right? The Bible says pray for your enemies. The, 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 the people that, that we may not see eye to eye with, they're one step away from eternally being saved. And Jesus came for those people as he came for you and I. It's a beautiful thing. Back to the, the governor Felix. This is where we find him. He, he, he was not willing to, to make a decision. He, he delayed his decision because he didn't want to be exposed for who he truly was. Like every, like every single one of us, he was a sinner in need of being saved. The second main point is this. Denial is usually the next answer that someone gives who is unwilling to recognize Jesus Christ as their Savior. The definition of denial is this. The action of declaring something to be untrue. Simple example. He or she, you can say that still now, he or she, right? I'll still say it. He or she. That's all. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> I shouldn't have gone there. I thought I was trying to be comical. All right, whatever. She shook her head in denial. Just because you deny something doesn't mean that it's not true. You see, the interesting thing about denial is it's based on one's own opinion or one's own feelings, not facts. It's not based on facts. It's based on what well, I feel. How I feel is going to determine whether or not I deny something or not. It's basically a person's unwillingness to see the truth as it is. We respond to the truth this way because we believe that it doesn't suit what we want. Again, that's good and dandy for you who call yourself Christians, but I, I got my own God. And I'm, I'm, my, my merit will do me well before God, or I don't even believe that there's a God. We've already gone there. We've already talked about that in previous messages, that just the, the, the acknowledgement of there not being a God by an atheist already declares the glory of God. So it's just one of those weird things where it's like, if God didn't exist, why would you say that God doesn't exist? You see, I mean, it's just, you know, head games that go on in this world today. Again, we see this in how Felix responded to Paul's defense. When Felix experienced the slightest bit of conviction, his response was to deny it. Have you ever been there? I know I've been there. <laughs> it's like, I'm convicted. Oh, no, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. Turn the channel or, you know. Flip my mind to something else. Try to forget about it. No, that's conviction. That's the Lord knocking on the, the, the door of your heart trying to say, hey, come on, get right. You know that's not right. Come to me. 
Come get your heart cleansed. Get your mind renewed. Put your mind on the right track. Don't be like Felix and just push it away. You see, if he actually acknowledged his conviction, that would mean he's got to make a decision on what needs to be done about it. And a lot of times we don't want to go there. It's just far too easy to travel the road we've been on and just keep things the same. Don't rock the boat. I'm not doing nothing bad. I'm just living my life. I don't want to have to make a new decision that's going to cause maybe some or a lot of things to come unraveling out of my life. But you see, I get it because in those instances, it's like that's all we have and we try to just hold on to it and I, this is my life and I, you know, I, my identity's wrapped up in it. But the Lord's trying to take those things away so he can get to the real you and recreate you from the ground up, right? But, but, but in those moments, we, we so are wrapped up in that's my car, that's my house, that's my, that's my job, this is my portfolio, this is, what I've, this is my reputation. We would, some, unfortunately, sadly, would, would be willing to go to hell apart from Jesus Christ forever rather than give up these temporal things that they've worked so hard to achieve and have. Even though these things are fleeting, they only last but so long. In the end, nobody's going to care how much of a high-powered doctor you were or what position you held in what company those are of little relevance on your deathbed what's going to matter is what was your character where was your integrity what did you do to influence other people's lives for the good it sounds so cliche-ish for the good of humanity but for the good of humanity in jesus christ you see they leave out the main component there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of good around the world but they're missing the main point are you saving whales? Just I always bash on animals. I don't want I don't want to bash on animals no more because you know I, I enjoy dogs. My mom has a Chihuahua that's a, you know beautiful dog and you know she's nice to me. She tries to bite me every time I go over there, but um, you know. But I don't want to bash on people that, that 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 love animals. But it's like, what is your motivation for doing it? You know, uh, are, are you doing it because you're driven by what the Lord says, or are you doing it just because you just want to be a good person? Again, we have to have that component in the center. If Christ is in the center. Kind of like, again, I'll refer back to what Emily said as she closed in prayer this morning. It's not going to matter if Jesus isn't at the center. But if Jesus is at the center, those things are going to be worthy because Christ is influencing what you do and how you do it. Okay. The third main point is this. The final phase of this deadly mindset is flat-out rejection of the truth. Just a straight, I reject it. I denounce it. I don't want nothing to do with it. I don't care what anybody has to say about it. I am truly rejecting this truth that you're trying to feed to me. Many times, when a person has experienced delaying in their response to the truth, and then they've denied it, once they are tired of being confronted with the truth, they will simply flat-out reject it. Rejection is a deeper pit than denial. With denial, it's acknowledgement that something is true, but simply one chooses not to uh, see it as the truth, while rejection is refusal to accept or believe something or someone. Pride will make it quite easy for us to reject the truth. And that's why pride is one of those things that we have to allow the Lord to uproot out of our hearts. We can't walk around being prideful of ourselves or of anything because that that does no good and the bible is clear the lord works not through pride but through the humble and so we see pride and again when we look at uh satan that's his one of his major attributes is pride right when he was lucifer the most beautifully uh, wonderfully created angel uh angelic being it was his pride that caused him to go gunning for the Lord's spot. He was not content. He's like, you talk about, you know, rappers and bling. I mean, he had all the bling that you could ever imagine. And yet he's like, it's not enough. I want to be God. I want to be, want to be more than God. And, and, you know, we see this mindset permeating our society. This, I got to be better than you. 
oh, the house across the street, you know, that Geico commercial with the, with the you know, Christmas time and the lights. <laughs> this dude's putting his lights up. And the guy across the street, oh, my gosh, every time he turns back, he's got more lights. Is that so much, so many lights that, you know, from, from, the, from the sky, you can see this house beaming. And it's just this whole idea. I know it's so playful and funny, but it's this whole idea of I'm going to outdo you. I got to outdo you. Well, where does that come from? It comes from pride. You know, it comes from pride. Having that prideful attitude of I got to do more. I have to be better. Oh, I got to be slimmer than her. Or oh, I got to have more muscles than that guy. Or I got to have more tattoos. Whatever it is. And pe- I mean, people are doing crazy stuff to outdo each other. It's just, it's just all you got to do is go on YouTube for five minutes and you just see the wacky, crazy things people are doing just to, you know, just to garner some kind of attention. And it, it's sad. So I can have all the views. I got to have 500 million views and, you know. It's just crazy. I get it. They get paid. That's how they, they, they live. And, you know, it is what it is. But, um, man, it's just not worth it when we live our lives entrenched in pride. Okay. Time to unpack these verses. Verses 22 and 23. It says, But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion, that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, at that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So we see here, Felix avoided a decision under the excuse of waiting for more evidence through the Roman commander, Lysias. But when you really look at the text and the situation here, Felix clearly had enough evidence to make a decision in Paul's favor. Favor, excuse me. It, it says having more accurate knowledge of the way. He he knew he was familiar with what was going on here. But this is the problem that's all too common to many people who struggle to accept Jesus Christ. Again, we see if I. You know, this statement, if I could only see Jesus, if I, if I could only just, you know, see, because I, I mean, I, I see that the tree is real. I see that the sun and the moon are real. I see that you're real because I can visibly see you. But you talk about this God that you serve. Where is he? Show him to me. Show me this God you serve and I will believe. But isn't that just like doubting Thomas when Jesus had returned, Right. He needed to see the holes in Jesus' hands before he was convinced that this was Jesus as he was, the Messiah. But how did Jesus respond to Thomas? Blessed is the one who hasn't seen but still believes. You know, when you, when you really ponder and meditate on that verse, that portion of Scripture, he's talking about you and me as well. We haven't seen Jesus. I mean, I don't think he looks like the picture the classic picture that we see doesn't matter because jesus is spirit the triune god is spirit so the whole thing of i don't care you paint them black you paint them white it doesn't matter neither of that makes any of a difference you know we don't want to get hung up on that that's what man does the reality is he's real hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us this and without faith it is impossible to please him For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Isn't this the trap door for everyone in the Bible that doesn't believe? Think about Pharaoh. Look at all the trouble Pharaoh went through because he refused to believe. Man. It wasn't enough for the Nile to turn to blood. (laughs) It wasn't enough for flies and boils and the livestock to die. It wasn't enough for his firstborn to pass away or pass on, excuse me, into eternity. He just could not believe. And as it says here, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe that he exists without seeing him. We have the benefit of the 66 books of the Bible. There is no excuse for anyone to not believe in the day we live in today. Because we have so much access. As we learned last week, the veil has been torn. You, you can walk right in. 
You don't need some dude sitting in a dark room telling you this is your connection to God. No, you get in your own prayer closet and get right with the Lord or receive the blessings he has from you between you and him alone. That's that connection we have because of Christ. This is a very important reminder to us today. That is the exercise and application of our faith is recognized by God who will reward our obedience in faith. But also quite the opposite is true as well. If we fail to trust in God, it is because our faith is weak and we should not look around to grow any closer with him so long as we remain in that unbelieving state. And many people will say, well, how do you grow your faith? You ask. You, all you have to do is ask. He's a good, good father. I'm not sitting up here saying, oh, I'm the ideal measure of faith. There's plenty of times where my faith is floundering like a fish out of water. And I'm over here, Lucy Goo, like, what's going on? I'm like, Lord, give me faith. Help me, to un- help me to understand. Give me your wisdom so I can make the right decision. That's kind of like every major thing that goes on in my life. That's kind of where I am. I'm like, Lord, I need, I need faith. You know, because it's easy to talk about it. But when you're under the gun and pressure's on, it's like, well, we'll see what your faith is about. But you want faith? Ask. Ask. That's all you have to do is ask. He will help you. He will show you. And they'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Thank you, Lord. But that's the reality. There will never be a convenient time for someone to hear the gospel. <laughs> We've all been there. Uh, not right now. I don't want to hear it right now. I'm not, I'm, not re- I'm not into that. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a churchgoer. I don't do the whole blood and, 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 and flesh thing. You guys are cannibals. You're talking weirdness. I'm not going to drink some little cup of juice and say, yeah, that's, 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 that's good for me and eat a cracker. No, it's not what I do. I'm not ready for that. But there will never be a convenient time for someone to hear the gospel. Man doesn't set the time. God does. Jesus Christ stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. We would be wise to let him in. Because he said, I will dine with you and we will be friends. To be friends of God is a beautiful thing. It's either a friend or a foe. I don't want to be the foe of God. Oh my gosh, you know, to fall into the wrath of God. That's something that no one should ever want. For anyone, even your worst of enemies, because that's a that's an unbearable thing. I was uh, hearing again, uh, you know, in, in in the book of Revelation, you know, there's going to come a time where, you know, your SPF ain't going to matter. <laughs> you know, your SPF is not that ozone layer is going to be gone, and you're going to get burnt up. It's going to burn. And what does it say? Those that felt the rays of the sun. They despised God and they blasphemed him. The one that was allowing that to happen. He was still giving them mercy, even though it was painful. And they still blasphemed. They said, they raised their fist at God and said, no. Even in that state, in that saddened state, that is so sad. It's a sad state that uh, the people of the world are going to be in in that, in that time. Next we see Felix did give Paul some kind of liberty. Knowing Paul's innocence, Felix granted Paul generous liberty even while he was held in custody. You see, and I'm not trying to laugh at this, but this this is the reality. You see, Felix, like many people, he tried to walk this middle ground. He tried, to, he tried to straddle the fence about the situation. He didn't outright refuse the gospel, but he didn't embrace it as his own either. He knew Paul was innocent, yet he didn't want to identify himself with Paul's gospel and other Christians. So he made no decision and kept Paul in custody. He basically tried to distance himself from Paul without being too harsh. And this is where we see, okay, well, he gave him liberties, but he didn't outright imprison him and banish him like many other prisoners 
were uh, you know, given that kind of treatment. Paul received special treatment. We see the similar stance that Pilate took when he washed his hands of the murder of Jesus Christ. Remember that? That account? He says, I, I, he had the bowl and he, he goes before uh, the, the crowd and says, I wash my hands of this man's blood. It is upon you, not me. But what Pilate failed to understand in that, in that, in that situation was that he could only physically wash his hands of guilt. He couldn't wash his heart clean, nor his mind clean of the memory of what he played in the part of Jesus' murder and crucifixion. The application is this. You can't serve two gods. You can't serve both God and man. You will hate one and love the other. You see, we live in a day and age where it's the common choice to not make a choice. I don't got to make a choice. It's, it's all inclusive. We every, Come on, everybody come in. We're all good. Again, like, I say that running joke, but it's like, I mean, they already have it on the bathrooms. You could, you, what, I can't even say it because it's like, well, whatever gender you create. You don't even have to be a gender. And you, you could use any bathroom. And they're pushing this on little kids. There should be no reason why any five, six, seven-year-old boy or girl should be able to go in the bathroom, to, you know, the same bathroom. You don't do that. You're confusing these young children into what they are. You're saying that you could be born a certain way, but we're going to, you can, you can determine. In some states at 15, now you can determine what you want to be. I was born, I was born a male, but I want to be female. Actually, I don't want to be either. I'm neutral. I'm neutral. Well, if you're a girl, you still have ovaries. Doesn't matter. You know, it's crazy. But this is the time that we're living in where these things are commonplace, where these things are embraced. Don't make a decision. It's okay to be all inclusive. But that's not biblical truth that we find. It's only biblical truth if someone in that state is willing to repent of their sins. In all this, though, apart from that, when we go back to Paul and what's going on with him, we see God's provision for Paul. Because this was ordained by the Lord, Paul would accomplish the Lord's purpose regardless of his circumstances. And again, the Lord allowed these things to happen, and for Paul, he was given favor. So he could continue on with his mission for the Lord. Okay, verses 24 and 25 and it says, after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Woo. So, there, you know, there's things going on in Felix's heart for him to be at that place when he said that. So, we see this right here. Felix came with his wife, Drusilla. It says that she was Jewish. And he wanted her to hear the things that Paul said concerning Jesus Christ. Felix wanted his wife there either as, uh, you know, someone who was curious or that she could actually advise him, that she could help him in forming a, a decision that would be valid. After all, he claimed that he had insufficient evidence, right? <laughs> so he needed his wife to come here. This is a side note, but it's an important side note. We see here another example of the importance of believing in the marriage, having uh, your spouse be a person of the same faith, right? Because this is the reality. God never uh, taught or said anything against races marrying, different races or different cultures marrying, but it must be the shared same faith. When he talked about don't go down with those, all the, 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 the ites, you know, back in the Old Testament, that's because all those people, the Jesuits, the, the Presidents, all those different uh, people groups, they all worship false gods. You guys remember Samson? 
what did the Lord say to Samson? Don't, don't go over there. You're going to mess with the wrong woman and you're going to find yourself all messed up. Not because of the person's culture or the person's race, but the faith. Who do they believe in? Do they believe in the true and living God of Israel? Or do they believe in all these other little demigods? All these other gods that are, are formed by man's understanding of their own creation, of their own hands. And that was the problem. And that's the problem we see today. That when two become one flesh, it's far better when they are of the same faith, of the Christian faith. It's going to be a far more bumpy road if you have a Christian and a Muslim I'm not saying it can't happen. I guess somehow you can figure it out. Somebody's going to get converted. <laughs> Somebody's going to get converted. You're going to either convert the Muslim person or the Muslim person is going to convert the Christian. Either way, it's about the same faith. We look at this here. Drusilla clearly was not in touch with her Jewish roots. This is evidence or evident, excuse me, from the company that she kept. This woman was, this is a little history on her, so we kind of get an uh, understanding of her character, but this woman was the sister of Herod Agrippa II uh, and Bernice that's mentioned in Acts chapter 25. Check out this track record. Her father killed the apostle James. Her great uncle had killed John the Baptist. And her great-grandfather tried to kill Jesus Christ. At this time, Drusilla was uh, about 20 years old. And it's said that she was very beautiful physically and she was ambitious. Felix, her husband, had seduced her away from her, uh, her, her previous husband and made Drusilla his third wife. These lax morals of Felix and Drusilla helped to explain the topics on which Paul spoke to them about. You see, Felix's name actually means pleasure. It's crazy. When I, when I found that out, I was like, Felix a cat? Man, what are these people, what are these people shove down my throat? As a seven, eight-year-old kid, you know, Felix a cat, you're thinking, that's cool, man. It's a cool cartoon, this and that. Man, that fool's name means pleasure. What's he doing? Were you guys trying to manipulate these chin? You know, it's people think I'm whacked out, but it's like that stuff is real. You know, they put it all in the cartoons and try to doll it up and candy up and make it look all, you know, cute and innocent. But yeah, man, you guys got that's again. What, what is that one cartoon? Is that Cinderella? They, they named the cat Lucifer. Why would you do that? Why would you? I don't, I don't get it, you know? There's all these little spiritual undertones of all these things. Like I said, I mean, I, maybe I guess I'm the person that's, you know, oh, it's conspiracy theory, but you know what? There's spiritual overtones to everything that goes on in this world. Very interesting. But yeah, Felix's name actually means pleasure. And this Felix, he made sure to indulge himself. But still... After all these unsettling facts about these two, they find themselves presented with the gospel. <laughs> How merciful is our God? How loving is our Heavenly Father? That two rascals like this, the Lord's like, man, you got prime time opportunity to get saved. And that's, that's why I was convicted earlier this morning when I heard that message that Jesus Christ came for the people that you despise. Wow. Because he came for all people. He came for that person that we wouldn't touch with a ten and a half foot pole as the Grinch would say. He came for those people. How is it longer? What do you say? What do you, what do you say? 39 and a half foot? Uh, you know, I can't, rem I can't remember real time. Thank you, Daniel. He came for those people <laughs> that we wouldn't touch with that long pole. The application is this. No matter how bad you have messed up, Jesus Christ is still there if we turn away from our sin and repent. But we have to understand that there will come a time when this reality will not be so. So praise God that we still live in the time of the dispensation of grace where sinful men and women can be saved 
and forgiven of their sins. Amen. The reality was Felix and Drusilla were in exalted positions. They were prominent. They had power. They were wealthy. They probably would have never attended a church service on their own. I mean, they could just make it rain. They had money. They could throw at anything, everything. They had wealth, positions of power. No need for a God when you have all that because you are your own God. You have power. You have authority. You have what people crave. You have people clamoring at your feet. No need for a God. But the grace and mercy of God, we see Him provide through Paul a private meeting for them to be saved. They found themselves with a front row seat to get converted from darkness to light. I just love how the Bible speaks so clear to us. Because we also see by Paul going to Felix in this manner, it was a fulfillment of Psalm chapter 2 verses 10 through 12 that reads, Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish on the way, for His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed! are all who take refuge in Him. That was a fulfillment. That the Lord, that the word of the Lord would go before kings of the earth, rulers of the earth, that they should be wise and serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. That's for us too. We may not be kings or rulers, but we should have a reverent fear again of the Lord and serve Him in rejoicing and trembling, not trembling in the corner like a dog with a tail between its legs, but understanding how great God is, how majestic and mighty He is. Wouldn't you want to be on His side? Why would you ever want to oppose the one that created you, who holds you in His hand, who, who knows the numbers of your hair, whether they're still in your head or not? <laughs> you could be all bald. He still knows the numbers of your hair. Every tear you cry, the tears you don't even know why you're crying. You don't even know the, the, the meaning of why you're crying. But you're so involved in whatever it is, it's spiritually speaking. What does he do? He stores them in a bottle. He knows everything that you've gone through. And he has a tender love for you and a care for you beyond you could, whatever you could imagine. Next, we see that Paul reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. These were the three points Paul used as he spoke to Felix and Drusilla. These are three points many modern preachers would avoid speaking about, especially in speaking to people of great influence. The first one is this, the righteousness that is ours in Jesus Christ. There is no righteousness apart from Jesus Christ. Any good work is but a filthy rag before Him, but we put on and keep on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The second point is this, the need for Christian ethics. Self-control. We need self-control. That was evidently lacking in the life of both Felix and Drusilla. And the third point, eternal accountability before God. The judgment to come. These are three things that... Some pastors, for whatever reason, don't want to teach about, don't want to speak about. I guess, I don't know, to keep the seats full, to keep people happy. But man, that's not good. That's not a good thing. The application is this. As preachers of the true gospel, we are to speak, teach, and live out the truth. We are not called to please people. We are to be direct to the issues of life, obviously in love, but we are to nonetheless be direct in what we speak about. Many times that can be a challenge, but this is possible through Jesus Christ. Many times they're like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I don't know how to engage with this person. What do I say? How do I do it? Huh? Pray about it. The Lord will give you the words. The Lord will give you the heart. You know, again, you don't have to go running around bashing people with the Bible. It's the love of Jesus Christ that will save men, right? A lot of people leave out the whole. Uh, John 3 17 we always hear for God so loved the world that he gave his only son for those right but a lot of times people don't 
read up the, the next part. It's talking about God didn't come. Jesus didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. Right. That judgment is going to come at a later time. But right now we're still again in that dispensation of grace where it's all about people getting saved. People aren't going to get saved by shoving it down their throat how much they're a sinner. Let the Lord convict. But if they are told and they come to understand, man, there's a loving God who loves me. I've been trying to find out my purpose in life. Why am I created? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? And to understand that I can have fulfillment in the God of all creation. You know, that's, that's a better way to build a rapport with someone than, uh, you know, just to tell them you're a sinner, you're going to burn in hell. We'll see how long that relationship la- ain't going to last too long, you know. People don't take kindly to that. I get it. You know, you don't got to candy coat the truth. I'm just saying, seek the Lord. Maybe, maybe people do need to hear you're a sinner, you're going to burn in hell. All I'm saying is seek the Lord and how you should go about engaging in those conversations. And don't just go on your own instincts because that may yield not good results. The reality, again, is the wages of sin is death, physical and spiritual. So we should be willing to show the love of Jesus Christ to warn people and to tell them that they don't have to suffer in eternity. Because by then, after they pass away, it'll be too late. Today is the day of salvation. I found this quote from Charles Spurgeon, and I'm going to read it. I thought it'd be fitting. It says, But some men will say, Sir, ministers ought not to be personal. Ministers ought to be personal, and they will never be true to their master till they are. But now we poor, craven sons of nobodies have to stand and talk about generalities. But we are afraid to point out and tell you of your sins personally. But blessed be God from that fear I have been delivered long ago. There walketh not a man on the surface of this earth who, whom I dare not reprove. That's from Charles Spurgeon. And, and again, I really believe just you seek the Lord in it and intact. The Lord will show you how to go about doing this. Uh, but to turn a blind eye and to never talk about sin is definitely not a good thing. It's not what we're supposed to do. It's not what we're called to do. We're called to show people, reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And in that, the Lord will expose people for what they're doing. But we need not be ashamed of who Jesus Christ is. Amen. All right. Last two verses. And it says, at the same time, he hoped, speaking of Felix, that money would come uh, that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. Uh, Excuse me if I mispronounced that. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. So Felix thought he was going to get money. He wanted money. He thought he was going to receive money that Paul might be released. And he met often with him. But see, this wasn't the honest thing that Felix was doing. He hoped that he was going to get paid off with the bribe. Again, not a good thing. After two years, under Roman law, the type of custody Paul was in could only last two years. Felix showed that he was willing to break the Roman law by keeping Paul for more than two years. On the flip side of this, again, we see the rich mercy of Jesus Christ. That for two more years, Felix had the opportunity to hear directly from Paul and be converted. I mean, time and time again, he came to the door of Felix's heart and knocked. And yet, Felix continued to deny Jesus Christ. When you think about it, how many times has the Lord come to the door of your heart and knocked? He's knocking. All the time. So subtly, right? He's a gentleman. He's not coming in brash. He's not coming in yelling and screaming. The Holy Spirit with a quiet whisper. Trying to get our attention. Trying to get us to let Him in. He does that for you and me as well. You think back on your own life. Man, how many times have I missed an opportunity to commune with the Lord Jesus Christ? Today, it doesn't have to be like that. You can open the door of your heart and commune with Him forever, starting now. 
and not reflect on what you've missed, but look forward to the moments that you have with him now. Amen. It lastly says, as uh, the worship team comes up, that Felix had left Paul bound. Felix refused to release Paul, though Paul was innocent. He did this for the same reason that Pilate condemned Jesus while knowing Jesus's innocence. They both acted out of pure political advantage. That's why the text says wanting to do the Jews a favor. It was all political. It was all about worldly power and influence. In a way, people like Felix and Pilate are the guiltiest of those who reject Jesus Christ. They know what is right, but refuse to do the right thing purely out of the fear of men. Purely out of the fear of men. They have an eternally fatal lack of courage. Today, may we be those who are courageous enough to stand up for Jesus Christ, especially when it's not the popular choice, but the right choice. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you that you give us the ability to stand upon the rock of your Son and to identify ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, there's no other place to go where are we going to go in this world? We can, I mean, we can go on the greatest cruises and have the most expensive home, but we're still going to be empty. Or So we need you. We need to be fulfilled in you. David said that he shall not want because you're leading him. You're leading him to green pastures. Lord, may we be those that are led by you to green pastures. Lord, help us to not want other things. Help us to want you. And as it's been said from the very beginning, before a word was ever preached, you're the one that's important. And if we align ourselves with you, everything else will work out. We will have the desires of our heart because they're going to align up with what's best for us in you. So, Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.